Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Psalm 15. The Bible says, Lord, who shall abide in the tabernacle in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. So he asked these questions, which I've been noticing as we read through these Psalms, how many times David asks a question. So he says something in this passage, he actually answers it. All right. So he says, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Then he answers that in verse number two, really all the way down through the end of the chapter. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be Moved. I want you to go back up and look at verse number one. Let's read verse number one out loud together. Ready, begin. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And then I want you to see the last phrase of this uh, passage or of this psalm. Verse number five, I can just read it to you. It says this, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for a chance to be in your house, or we thank you for a chance to fellowship and worship. And Lord, as we are already learning, a church is not made up of the building or of the location where it meets, but it is made up of the people within it. And so I thank you for uh, our church. Lord, I thank you for those represented in this room who have uh, already served, and Lord, those who will serve, Lord, those who um, are just maybe coming, and uh, Lord, those that are being a part, Lord, there's just so many people that make this place go around, and so on a Sunday like this, we're thankful for your goodness, Lord, we're thankful for your grace. Lord, I pray you be with me as I teach, Lord, give me the words to say, Lord, help me to get across clearly what you have for us today, in your name we pray, amen. Last year, our theme was unmovable. As we were, as I was looking through this passage and kind of reminiscing on that, I was thinking, boy, boy it would have been uh, almost humorous, and uh, the, as only God would have it, if last year we would have had to move to the uh, gymnasium in a year that our theme was unmovable. But uh, thankfully, we've changed our theme, and so we are now able to move. That was just last year. And so, uh, anyways, but our theme last year was unmovable. And if you'll recall um, some of the teaching for maybe those of you who were not here, we took that uh, theme and that verse from 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, where it says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And one of the things that I tried to keep bringing up was that really it is difficult to be unmovable in a society that is always moving. 
um, in a society that really change is always happening. There seems to be something that is always new coming to light. There seems to be something that is maybe even immoral that is constantly being brought up. There seems to be evil that is constantly coming up. There's these different things in our society that are always moving. I remember when I was a little kid, um, a lot of times, how many of you remember if you sat in church, you remember the missionary presentations that used to that they used to show? Like this was before missionaries got good at presenting stuff, all right? And so you remember some of the missionary presentations and stuff? And one of the ones that I, I remember, I felt like every missionary always talked about it. And they would always have like on their screen or on like their early videos. And I feel like it was even like almost the same um, little blurb or little video or whatever. It's like just stock photography or stock videography. And it would always say like society moves fast. And it would just be someone's feet in like New York City walking across the crosswalk. And it was so poor and well done. Like it looked like that you had gone out there with your flip phone and was like, hey, can you walk across this crosswalk? And they like videoed them walking across the crosswalk. And it would always say society moves fast. And it would show these people walking across or or we are moving to uh, we're moving to Singapore we're moving to Tokyo and in Tokyo society moves fast and we're moving to Hong Kong to be missionaries and, and in Hong Kong society moves fast and like every, it's like well, who's the people going to the people who aren't moving fast because everyone's going to where everybody moves fast and so there was always this talk about well society moves fast but when you actually look at scripture one of the things that you will find is that while society and culture continues to move quickly God has called us to be unmovable. God has called us to stay where he has called us. God has called us to continue to believe that which he wants, that which he has already told us. God has called us to stay in that which he wants us to be in. God has called us to his commandments. God has called us to holiness. God has called us to so many of of these things. And right now, even while society is changing on those, we are called to be unmovable. We are called to stay where God has called us. And so with that in mind, here's what I want us to look at today is I really want us to look at what makes you unmovable from this passage, Psalm chapter number 15, what makes you unmovable. And then by the end of this lesson, I want to show you that not only does this is, are these four things what makes you unmovable, but they are also what gives you access to the presence of God and not just the presence of God, but walking in and sensing his presence. And so the Bible says this, first of all, It says, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. So the first thing that makes you unmovable is your position. Your position, or if you even wanted to say it like this, your character. He says, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Sometimes I almost wonder if God was standing at the front door of a church building or if he was standing at maybe the, the back door of the church, because we know that we would get more people there. When we were setting up for the, in the gym, we were actually trying to find ways to not let people, not, uh, not have everybody just go to the back and sit. And we're like, well, we could put a row right here. And we're like, you know that as soon as we put a row in the back, that everybody and their brother's going to be back there. Like the balcony people, if, how many of you are balcony people? All right. How many, like you guys are freaking out right now, huh? Like you haven't been in there yet. It's like, I don't even know how I'm going to listen to church having to look at someone on the same plane. All right. Like you're going it, to, it's going to be weird, but it, it's exciting. And so we were talking about that. But if God was standing at the front door or the back door of a church and he said, hey, before, before you walk in there, I want to give you a quick evaluation of your week. Did you walk uprightly? Tell me about your character. Tell, tell me about, did you work righteousness? 
He didn't say, you are righteous. We understand that through salvation, we are righteous. He says, did you work righteous? He worketh righteousness. He says, did he, and then did you speak truth in his heart? He that speaketh truth in his heart. Let's look at it. He says, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Is that a characterization of your week this week? You say, well, it was so hard to it was so hard to be honest. It was it was so hard to live right this week because of what's on my phone, because of what's on my TV, because of maybe who I work around. It was hard for me to live uprightly. It was hard for me to work righteousness. Everyone, I wasn't around anyone. I, I, everyone that I saw, I was driving too slow in the fast lane on the way to Nashville, and so I was not working righteousness. I was honking my horn at them. Everyone that I saw, maybe at work, they irritated me, and so I was not working righteousness. I was definitely doing this. Okay. Is, this, is that a characterization of your week? Isn't it interesting that when the Bible says, he that doeth these things shall be unmovable, isn't it interesting that this first thought has very little to do with yourself and everything to do with the way that others view you? It has very little to do with maybe, well, I need to have my finances in order or not. I need to have this physical appearance and I need, no, and it has everything to do with, no, that's a person who does what's right. <coughs> Would your coworkers characterize you as someone who does that which is right? Did you speak truth in your heart this week? When your heart said, hey, you need to follow after this, you need to chase after this, you need to chase after this relationship. You need to chase after maybe this new job. You need to chase after this new destination. You need to chase after this financial goal. You need to chase after this. Does your heart step back and say, no, this is what is truth. Just the other day we were driving in the car and I had Braxton in there with me and uh, he was sitting up front and he looks at me. And he goes, dad, one day I think I want to be rich. And I said, Brax, I think one day I want to be rich too. Okay. That's actually not what I said. He said, Dad, I think I want to be rich one day. I said, do you? And he goes, yeah. And I said, why is that? And he said, because I want a lot of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, same, all right? Um, but we were talking about it, and so, and, he was, and it was a very genuine, heartfelt conversation, so I was kind of joking around with him a little bit. But he said, I think I want to be rich one day. And I said, okay. I said, why is that? He said, well, I want a lot of stuff. And I said, well, why do you want a lot of stuff? And he goes, mm. I don't know. <laughs> and so I said, well, what do you mean you don't know? Like I said, do you want it because you think it'll make you happy? And he goes, no. He goes, I don't know. I just feel like that that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have a lot of stuff. And I was like, well, you've definitely already characterized the American dream, okay? Like you've already got that figured out. And I said, well, can I tell you something? And he goes, yeah. I said, there's a lot of people who have a lot of stuff and they're not very happy. And he goes, I guess that's true. I said, I said, there's a lot of people who have a lot of money, and they're not very happy. I said, Braxton, I said, I want you to think about something. He's big into sports, and he's big into um, keeping track of, of a lot of people. And so the, like the, I, I think I used the illustration on Wednesday night where I was asking him one thing that he loved about his sister. And he was like, I can't think of anything. And I was like, you can literally name the whole Atlanta Braves roster, but you can't think of one thing that you love about your sister, all right? And so we were talking about that. And I said, Braxton, I, said, I want you to think about everyone that you know in sports. I said, I said, they're good at sports. They make a lot of money. They have a lot of nice things. But I said, do you know that there's some of those people right now that they're struggling in broken relationships? I said, they're searching for different things. And I said, they may have a lot of what we don't have, but we have something that they are possibly looking for. And it was an interesting conversation. And here's what I want you to take away. And here's the reason why I told you that story is because our heart, according to scripture, is deceitfully wicked. 
meaning this, it's going to tell you things that you think that you need. The same way that little seven-year-old Braxton was internalizing, I think I want to be rich one day. Is there anything wrong with having money? Is there anything wrong with being rich? No, by all means, if some of you get rich, just remember that I was your teacher, okay? But if you, there's nothing wrong with that, but watch this. If your heart is forcing you to make decisions to achieve that goal that are outside of what God has for you, then you have realigned the priorities that God has to keep you from becoming movable. You've placed yourself in a position to where now I must move to accomplish what my heart is telling me to do. So first of all, your position makes you unmovable. But secondly, your response or your reputation, your attitude towards others. Look at verse number three. It says, he that backbiteth not with his tongue. Backbiteth to me reminds me of the nursery, okay? Someone bites you in the nursery, you bite them back, okay? Backbiting, all right? It's essentially saying, I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to talk about someone behind their back. I'm going to make sure that someone knows what's going on in their life. I'm going to make sure that everybody knows they're not as great as what they think that they are, all right? Like, like you, they look good on social media, but if you only knew what their conversation were with, was with me the other day, you wouldn't think they were that great, okay? That's backbiting. That's going around and saying, I'm going to get back at them for what they've done to me backbiting he that backbiteth with his tongue blakely is into biting right now mainly biting her she doesn't bite in the nursery she bites her brothers and sisters which to her credit they are annoying sometimes all right but he that it says he that backbiteth not with his tongue do you want to know one of the best ways to handle difficulty and contention in your life let god take care of it god is a god of vengeance now, some of you are like, yes, like bring the heat, God, on everybody that I don't like. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? When I say that God is a God of vengeance, I mean this, is that God is always on the side of right. And you know what we are so guilty of as human beings is we want everyone to know how right we are, don't we? That's what social media literally is. Well, I broke up with so-and-so, and look at me. I won the, bro- I won the breakup, Okay. Well, I have more money than so-and-so. I got a new car. It's all about telling other people about how right we are. When if God is on the side of right, let him show what is right and let you just keep following after him. He backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, okay? Nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Now, sometimes when the Bible uses neighbor, it's not talking about the people who live directly beside you, okay? So when we say, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, some of you are like, sweet, I don't even know who lives beside me. I can check that off, all right? It's talking about your relationship with others. Specifically, many times in Scripture, and especially the New Testament, your neighbor are those who are lost, who are around you. Did you do anything this week that would cause someone to hinder or trip in their journey to following after Jesus Christ? I've said this before, I, do, I never want to do anything to make someone have to stumble over me to get to Jesus. I want to be a part of pointing them in the direction of Christ. So it says, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. So first of all, and we've got to hurry, your position makes you unmovable. Your response to others makes you unmovable. But then thirdly is this, your response to evil makes you unmovable. Verse number four. In whose, aisle, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He sweareth to his own heart, 
and changeth not. Can I just be very honest with you? Evil is like it is so readily available in today's world. We talk about something like like pornography now. Okay, pornography has been an issue since the world began. Okay, pornography has been uh, lustful thinking has been something that has been. But here's what you have to understand. Okay, is that in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, and all those times, people had to go and look for that. Now it lives in your pockets, and I'm not just talking about guys. Okay. You have something that is a constant temptation in your pocket. We talk about something like being a wise steward of your money, okay? If you were back in the 1940s, 1950s, and you were talking about being a wise steward of your money, you know what you told people? Don't go to the general store when you don't have money, okay? Don't go shopping when you don't have money. Now you want to know what we have to say is don't check your email when you don't have money. Like, oh, that's a really good Groupon deal. I probably need that, all right? Like, I didn't know I needed my teeth whitened for $19.99. I've got $21.99 in my bank account. They gives me $2 to go get a cheeseburger, all right? That's the world that we live in. We have a temptation in our pocket constantly in front of us. When we talk about evil, it is so readily available. I can promise you that right now, if you turned on your Netflix or you turned on your smart TV or you turned on whatever device that you're looking at, okay, how many of you have seen the sliders that come across like a smart TV or they come across Netflix or they come across whatever? I can promise you that if you sat there and there were five sliders, okay, there were five sliders that went across, there's probably two or three of them that, no, that a Christian has no business ever clicking on. There's probably things that are being advertised, like things that are one click away for you as a Christian, okay? If it's creepy, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I look down. Like, I, that, even the little ad, if it's, if it's creepy, like, I'm not into scary stuff. Like, I have too much in my life that's already scary, okay? I'm not looking to go and find some more, all right? There are things, and, that, and that's what, and so the way that times have changed for you as a young adult is that you don't have to go and look for evil. It's in your pocket. It's on your TV. It's maybe in your relationships. It's with your coworkers. It's, with, it's wherever you want it to be. And so as a person who is seeking to be unmovable, you must respond properly to evil. He says that a vile person is contemned. He honoreth them that fear the Lord. So let me ask you this. What do you condemn and what do you lift up? What do you put down? You see someone at work that's constantly talking about whatever party they went to, whatever drugs they're involved in, whatever lifestyle they're involved in. You, should, as a Christian, as a child of God, should say, I'm going to probably put a little bit of distance between me and that person. But on the other hand, I get to be around a coworker who says, you know what, I, I went to church this past Sunday. I, this is what I learned. This is how God's growing me. They maybe share their faith. Maybe that's something that you should say, I'm going to honor him that feareth the Lord. I'm going to lift them up. What do you put down? What do you lift up? So he that condemneth, and then it says this, he that sweareth to his own heart, or to his own hurt, and changeth not. And changeth not. I want to ask you a quick question. What does it take to change you, and what have you changed in your life lately? What does it take to change you, and what have you changed in your life lately? Some may be good. Some may be bad. But what does it take to change you, and what have you changed in your life lately? And then lastly, is your position makes you unmovable. Your response to others makes you unmovable. Your response to evil makes you unmovable. But then lastly, is your stewardship makes you unmovable. It says this, He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. 
I want to spend my last two minutes just talking to you very briefly, okay? I want you to listen. Right now, we live in a world where everybody watches out for themselves, don't we? We live in a world that is so selfish, that is so egotistical, that's so driven by what helps me, that one of the greatest things that you can do with your finances is show others that you love God by how you take care of, first of all, God, but secondly, those around you. Giving is, giving is weird in today's society, isn't it? Giving, giving is strange. Like if you walked into your place of work and said, hey man, or hey wall man, all right, um, whoever you work alongside, hey, can I buy you a coffee? Why? Like it's almost like everyone knows that if you're giving, you have an ulterior motive. And the Bible says this, it says, he that putteth not out his money to usury, that's talking about lending money and then expecting it back and many times expecting it back with interest. That's not what Christians do. You want to know one of my favorite things that Lauren and I get an opportunity to do sometimes is I love to give and not let people know that we gave. You know what sometimes we do? I don't even know if I have any cash in my wallet. Do you want to know what? I do. Look at that. All right. I'm not a millennial. I have $8. All right. Okay. Do you want to know what sometimes we do? We don't do this in the offering plate. Okay. At least I hope that we don't. But when we pass the offering, it's almost like we want God, like it's almost like we want everybody around us like, here's my money and I'm going to put it in. All right. Like it's almost like we want to hold it up. Online giving does not help with that. All right. Like online giving is very confidential and whatever, right? But it does take 3% charge. Just always remember that, okay? But sometimes what we want to do is we want to, we want to walk up to someone, oh, I know so-and-so is going through a hard time, and we give something. that If they're going through a hard time, don't expect a thank you note, okay? Like, do it because you love them. Do it because you care for them with your time. Well, I went and hung out with so-and-so because they needed help moving. And when, I came, when it came time for me to move, they were kayaking. Let them go kayaking, okay? I don't, I'll have another five. I have more than that. I have $13, okay? But many times we give to be recognized. We don't steward what God has given us. We give or we, we lend it out or whatever we do with our money, it only protects us. If you're here and maybe you're turning 18, maybe you're going to college, maybe you've got your first job, maybe you just got out of college, can I encourage you with something? Put space in your budget to love on someone other than yourself. You go and pamper yourself for a weekend, guess what? That's gonna, that joy that comes is going to last you through the weekend. But you go and you help someone else besides you one weekend, there's joy that comes from that. And isn't it interesting that when God talks about being unmovable, he says your reputation matters. Your position matters. How you respond to others matters. How you respond to evil matters. But isn't it interesting that he throws a financial thing in there? Because here's what most Christians do. Most Christians say, hey, I lived a good life this week. I did everything that was right. I, I walked uprightly. I spoke truth into my heart. I worked righteousness. And we're like, check, 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 okay? 
And then all of a sudden we go and we go to the next thing and it's like, hey, I wasn't a jerk to my neighbors. Look at me, super duper Christian, just go ahead and give me a sticker. Okay? Then we say, I didn't live evil. I didn't watch anything I wasn't supposed to. I didn't talk any way that I was supposed to. I didn't hang out with all the people that hung out on Friday night. So check, check, check. But then God says this. God says, it will show in how you steward what you've been given. And how you handle what I have blessed you with. God's the owner. We're just the managers. And so with that in mind, I want us to close with this thought. He says, He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Before we close, I want to remind you that those phrases and those four things that we gave, not only do they make you unmovable, but let's recall verse number one. What is this in response to? He says, Lord, who will dwell in thy tabernacle? When you live a life that is above reproach, that is unmovable, not only does it allow you to be unmovable in a moving society, but it also gives you access to the presence of God. It opens the door for you to begin to know and fellowship with a God who loves you. It gives you power from God. It gives you the access to so many of the problems that you're facing in today's society. And so with that in mind, let's pray. We'll Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.